And I want to welcome on in everybody to the Check Your Brain podcast with me, Tony Mazur, the host of this fine podcast for the, for the last couple of years. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you are, if you're listening to this on Patreon or at Locals, you are receiving this on March 12th. If you are checking this out for free on the finer podcast platforms, it's March 15th at the very minimum. If you want to go check out more of my podcasts just like this, uncensored, early access to guests, everything like that, go to patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. It's just five bucks a month. You get upwards of 20 to 25 podcasts a month for five bucks. Pretty good deal, if you ask me. And the same goes on uh, locals at, lo at checkyourbrain.locals.com. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms, leave me a comment and Hit me a five-star review. I really do appreciate that. And uh, subscribe. I have podcasts coming out every Wednesday. And uh, I have to promote myself there because who knows who's going to stumble upon this podcast because this is a big anniversary that we have. It's the three-year anniversary of the COVID lockdown. So on my podcast, on Check Your Brain, I've been doing this now since early 2021. And every year I've done an anniversary look back on the COVID-19 lockdowns of 2020. And what's interesting is how every year something has changed and a lot has changed. And by the time I get to year four next year, it's gonna be changed a lot more. But this is the first year I know I'm going to get pushback from a couple of people by saying, why are you mentioning this? Who cares? We're done. There's no more mandates. There's no more lockdowns. There's no more any of this. All you're doing is bringing up stuff from the past, trying to apply it to today, and it means nothing. It's going on deaf ears, Tony. What, what's the point of you doing a podcast about this? And the point of this podcast, why I'm going to look back and why I'm going to look at where we, how far we've come and where we are today, is it's a cautionary tale. I think every one of us should know that, that what happened three years ago can and probably will happen again. Your civil liberties will be taken from you. That's what happened three years ago. Now, some people are going to look at 2020 as a vacation. The laptop class looked at it as a vacation for a lot of people. There were stories about anxiety in 2021 about returning to the office. And a lot of people are like, I don't know what to do here. Oh, you know, I might... Uh, I haven't been around people. And ultimately, for, for many in the laptop class, and when I say that, it's people who had the luxury of working from home. They'd never missed a paycheck. In fact, they probably grew their paychecks because they didn't do anything. They didn't leave their home. They didn't go to concerts. They didn't go to restaurants. So they realized, oh, I actually have more money coming in. Let's keep this going. It's good for you. Pretty privileged lifestyle, if you ask me, because there's a lot of people who did not feel that same way and are still three years later feeling the brunt of this. And then we happen to see in 2022, the rise of the gas prices and rise of inflation and things that, the eggs, the lumber, things that cost one price are now this price. Milk went up. The cost of goods and services went up because it was time to pay everything back. Because you lived high in the hog, if you're in the laptop class in 2020, well, now it's time time to pay up. And then we wondered why we were paying $100 for a tank of gas, for a car, for a regular sedan. Not, we're not talking about a gas guzzling SUV. I'm talking about 
<clears throat> random people putting 90 bucks into a Honda Civic. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but all of it's related. All of this is related, and which is why I need to do this podcast. So if uh, I'm recording this a couple of days earlier than when I'm putting it out. So I'm, this is March 10th. March 11th is the anniversary, 311 day. Come original, you got to come original. 311, 2020 was the day that will live in infamy. It was kind of a where were you when that happened? Where were you when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? Where were you when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated? Where were you on 9-11? Where were you when the Challenger exploded? And I think a lot of it, we're going to look back. Where were you when the world shut down? When we slid into this hysteria, this insanity. <clears throat> well, think about where we were about three years ago. Three years ago, there was a lot of focus on the election that was going to happen in November of 2020. And uh, impeachment talk and everything else going on. And then we had this COVID, this coronavirus. What is this coronavirus? This possibly from China, could be coming from China. It's coming from China. And then there were a lot of politicians because Donald Trump, who was the president at the time, said that we need to start shutting down travel. And Nancy Pelosi and a lot of uh, Chuck Schumer, they were telling people to go eat dim sum, hug Chinese people because it's xenophobic and racist to mention the origin of where. <laughs> and we'll talk about the origins. But where did this coronavirus come from? It came from this area called Wuhan. Now, there happened to be a bio lab there that's right down the street from a wet market. Hmm. So we decided to what, what's more racist, by the way, now that I look back upon this. <clears throat> What's more racist, saying the the coronavirus came from a bio lab, an escape from a bio lab in Wuhan, or came from a wet market because Chinese people eat weird food? Well, apparently the second wasn't racist. The first was, even though isn't, I don't know, culturally, whatever, whatever the case. I thought that was interesting. But we enter March of 2020. And uh, I have a birthday, March 2nd, and we started hearing right around my 32nd birthday that, uh, boy, people are starting to get sick. I don't know what's going on. We heard about this thing from China. You know, we remember, gosh, what was it, about 17 years earlier in 2003. It's actually the 20th anniversary now of the SARS outbreak that we were seeing coming from Canada in the United States. And we started hearing, oh, is this like SARS? Is this like the bird flu, H1N1? Uh, swine flu, all that. And we didn't know. We really didn't know. So March 8th, I flew out to California. I was on a work trip in Oceanside and Carlsbad, California. And on March 11th, we again, we started hearing about coronavirus. On March 8th, we were at the airport, flew into San Diego's airport. And what we were told at the time was, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Does everybody have their hand sanitizer? Yes, I got my hand sanitizer. Yes, I will wash my hands after I go pee. And then by the time we were returning home, it was, oh my God, the world's shutting down. What changed from March 8th to March 13th in just those couple of days? Well, there was a lot that ended up happening. And the biggest one happened on March 11th. When we heard about NBA players like Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, 
of the Utah Jazz that were uh, apparently Rudy Gobert was touching microphones and he had COVID and we weren't taking it serious enough. So he started touching microphones and then all of a sudden it spread and everyone got really freaked out. And then America's dad, Tom Hanks, is away in, I think he's Australia, filming the movie that he's playing Colonel Parker in the Elvis movie. Well, Tom Hanks, America's father, gets coronavirus. And Tom Hanks is sick. And we have to say, holy mackerel, shut the world down. So where was I? I was in Los Angeles, California. I was about to walk into the what was then called the Staples Center. I think it's called the Crypto.com Arena now. I'm about to walk into Staples Center. And one of my coworkers calls me who they were over at the Disney studios and said, do you think it's a good idea to go to a hockey game tonight? And me, who has studied up on totalitarian and authoritarian governments and what the government is capable of doing and taking away civil liberties, I said, I think it's a great idea because I think the world is going to shut down tonight. So I'm going to have one last hurrah. So what I did is I went into that hockey game at that arena, watched the LA Kings versus the Ottawa Senators, then which which was a capacity crowd of about 1,500 people. Not many people at that game. Then I went over to a concert venue called the Terragram Ballroom. I saw Local H and Soul Asylum, and then <clears throat> went down Sunset Boulevard, went to West Hollywood, and caught a show at the Comedy Store. And then I drove back from West Hollywood to Carlsbad. And I said, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go on a high note. And that's what happened because the next day we were already booking flights to go back home because the schools were starting to shut down. Now, we were in California. California, weirdly enough, did not shut down based on how progressive and uh, uh, quick to lockdown that Californians were. The first state to shut down was Ohio. Yes, my home state. There were two states that actually shut down very quick. And there were two Republican-led states in Ohio and Maryland, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, and Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio. Now, right before we had left, we heard about a pause, the first event that got paused with COVID. So here's, what, here's by, by the way, so before I go on with the podcast, I want to talk about what I'm going to do here. I'm going to split this up into this open. This is all part of this opening, and we're going to go back. I'm going to play a lot of clips. I'm going to go over a lot of things that what led us to this point. Then halfway through the podcast, the turn goes into where we're going to be now. And what changed? How did we go from here over to here? So that's how this podcast is going to be set up today. So let's go back and I'm going to do everything as best as I can in chronological order. If you are watching right now, I am not putting this on YouTube. <laughs> Even if everything I say is 100% true, YouTube will find one thing and try to zap my account. I'm not going to do that. It, if you're watching this, it's on Patreon or it's on Rumble, but it's certainly not going to be on YouTube. <clears throat> so. Let me share the first thing, even though weirdly enough, ironically, I'm going to YouTube. So the first thing to shut down in the state of Ohio was the Arnold Expo. It's the Arnold Invitational. It's a bodybuilding competition in Columbus, Ohio, where there's a big Arnold statue where he's doing the pose. And it, they realized because a lot of people come from different parts of the country, different parts of the state, different parts of the world to Columbus, Ohio to be a part of this 
this whole expo and Arnold Schwarzenegger, he, he doesn't go around shaking hands with everybody, but he'll go around and, you know, meet with certain people. Or if you pay a certain amount of money, you get a photo op. And rumor has it, I think they're going to pull out of Columbus and move to Vegas, but regardless. So March 3rd, 2020. So we're talking about, I believe that was a Tuesday and it's leading in towards the weekend. The state of Ohio decided, let's probably pause the expo, not not necessarily cancel it right away. And then they eventually did cancel it. So the first event to really shut down before the schools and everything else shut down was the Arnold Expo. So here's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm sorry, this if you're <clears throat> if you're watching this, I took this from a YouTube video of somebody taking a video screenshot of the Instagram page. So but here's Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about it. It's a very sad day for me today because we just had to cancel the Arnold Arnold's Classic Sports and Fitness Festival, meaning, you know, the huge convention with 250,000 people coming together. We still will have the Arnold Classic World Bodybuilding Championship and the Strongman competition, but the rest of it is all canceled, or I should say postponed, because we will have it later on this year. But I think it was a wise decision because under the circumstances, listening to the governor's concern, to the mayor's concern, the, the CDC's concern and all the experts, scientists and health community and the doctors. I think it was the right thing to do because we want to keep people safe and we want to keep people healthy. And OK, so where were we in 2020 at this time? March 3rd was, again, don't touch your face and wash your hands. Sounds simple, sounds plausible enough. And not uh, I think a lot of people didn't realize how quickly this was going to slide and and which which what I'll get into throughout the podcast is how people were so willing to surrender their civil liberty liberties because they say, oh, this is for the greater good. But was it for the greater good? We'll find out. So the Arnold gets canceled and we get to the uh, so March 11th that I that I had mentioned, Tom Hanks gets covid by March, I think March 12th and March 13th. Mike DeWine in the state of Ohio, and I use this from my perspective because I, you know, other states shut down a little bit later. In Ohio, they decided, hey, uh, I know we have spring break coming up, but we're going to go a little bit early with spring break. So we're kids are going to be off like two, three weeks. You go, okay, sure, why not? Get an extended spring break. Not realizing those kids, some especially if you're a senior in high school, you never went back to school. Many of those kids never went back to school. That was their last day that they finally had at some point one day they were able to bring all their contents of their locker or their desk home with them but the rest of it was zoom school didn't realize it at the time well now we start getting into the weeds here so i get back from california at night on march 13th by march 15th which was a sunday we found out the governor and the health director decide it's time in Ohio that we need to shut down the bars and the restaurants based on congregation and what we know at the time. Um, Dr. Acton uh, will be signing an order uh, that all bars in the state and all restaurants uh, will close at nine o'clock tonight. How long this order will be in effect, uh, we don't frankly know. Um, it will be in effect as long as it needs to. To clarify, uh, 
carry out food uh, is, is still allowed and certainly encouraged. Um, we have some great restaurants. All right, some- all right, okay, okay. So that's kind of what started. So at 9 p.m., March 15th, the beware the Ides of March, by the way. March 15th at 9 p.m., all the bars and the restaurants shut down. So I met my parents at about 7 o'clock at a, a local establishment we have in Northeast Ohio called Winking Lizard. Had a couple of beers, realizing this is probably going to be it for a while. Not that I'm not going to see my parents, of course, because once again, I know about totalitarian and authoritarian governments and what they're capable of doing, realizing that, yeah, this is not going to be fun. And if they're going to talk about things like 15 days to flatten the curve, what does that even mean? What is 15 days to flatten the curve? Well, here's Jerome Adams, the Surgeon General, just talking about just guys. Just two weeks. We just need two weeks out of you. If we could all pull together and just get two weeks, then we'll be we'll be right as rain. We'll be fine. Everything is going to be so wonderful. We, we really right. feel like if we can get America 15, to all I mean, pitch in, yeah. we feel like if we can get America to all, all pitch in for the next 15 days, we can flatten the curve, which is a term that you've been hearing a lot, not overwhelm our healthcare systems. So and 15 days is this. enough? 15 days is likely not going to be enough to get us all the way through, but uh, we really need to lean into it now so that we can bend the curve in the next 15 days. And uh, at that point, we'll reassess. At that point, we'll reassess. So which means if we're going to shut down, let's say, March 15th or March 16th, because on March 16th, remember the bars and restaurants shut down the night before in Ohio. Excuse me. I was at uh, I was at my local gym. It was about 2.55 p.m. And the governor's on TV because he was doing these two o'clock press conferences throughout the pandemic, especially the early days of it. Wine with DeWine, yes. Hey, if you're at home, why don't you have a glass of Chardonnay or maybe a glass of Merlot, yes. I'll, you know what, I, I'm, I'm sitting here at my computer doing work, but my boss doesn't need to know that I have a little glass of Pinot Grigio here, so I'm going to wine with DeWine. Ugh hated that hated every minute of it but during the press conference he said we are going to shut down gyms and workout facilities salons everything i'm on the treadmill i had pre-workout drink in me so i've got the you know little tingles you you get from getting that caffeine rush and everything and i'm kind of i don't want to say i just started it was about halfway through my workout and i just started seeing the people at my gym shut the TVs off. They had the remote control shutting every TV off. And I'm like, uh-oh. And they said, yeah, we got to have everybody out by three governor's orders. Really? So, okay. So it's March 15th, March 16th, which means March is a 31-day month. So by what? April 1st, we're going to be back to normal. If you were naive enough to think that we were going to, by April 1st, get back to what we call normal or a new normal. Again, you're naive, but you don't read the tea leaves because by the time we got to April, it was, no, you can't reopen right now. My, I know somebody who knows somebody whose aunt's cousin's sister's boyfriend got COVID. So therefore we can't open up. 
we're all locked in our homes. You can't do anything, but we can't reopen right now. Now, our president at the time, Donald Trump, actually wondered if we would be able to uh, open up. So by the way, that Jerome Adams clip, just so I can go with the date, that was on March 18th. So day after St. Patrick's Day. This is Trump on March 25th, talking about he would ideally like the country to be reopened by Easter. But in an interview with his favorite television network, Donald Trump insisted the US needed to get back to normal within less than three weeks. Look, you're gonna lose a number of people to the flu, but you're gonna lose more people by putting a country into a massive recession or depression. You're gonna lose people. You're going to have suicides by the thousands. You're going to have all sorts of things happen. You're going to have instability. You can't just come in and say, let's close up the United States of America, the biggest, the most successful country in the world by far. Was he wrong? March 25th, he said, ideally, he would like the country to be reopened by Easter. Excuse me. And he said that we're going to have a rash of suicides, deaths of despair. Now, he was right. Eventually came out that Donald Trump was 100% correct, that we have recession, we had inflation, we had all this kind of, all these other factors that we, for whatever reason, as a country, didn't want to think about because we said, no, we're in a pandemic. We need to shut down. The world has to shut down right now. It doesn't matter. Oh, finances, oh, all that. Now, I was working at the time at a radio station and the radio station was all about the lockdowns, was 100% fine with shutting down. Now, we were okay. We didn't have, I never missed one paycheck. In the last three years, I've never missed one paycheck. In fact, I gained more money in the last three years. Um, While us at the time on the air were telling people, stay home, don't do anything. Wear your mask if you're going to get your mail. People were afraid to get their mail. I'm not kidding. This is what what happened in March into April of 15 days to flatten the curve. Really just it, it cracked open a, a mindset that I didn't think could be possible for a mass hysteria. But boy, howdy, people fell for it. And when you had people that were afraid of taking their dog for a walk or just their dog outside, that there was going to be this hurricane of covid germs they're just swirling around and that you might be hit that people were afraid of jogging they wore masks while jogging they wore masks while uh riding their bike that i could be on one side of the street and someone on the complete opposite end of the street could be a two-lane street a four-lane street a full boulevard that they were afraid that if i somehow had covid asymptomatically that my huffing and puffing on one side of the street can swirl its way onto the other side of the street and attack somebody else. That's what we went through. (laughs) It was just insane. We started going down this path that people were putting, I'm not kidding, people were disinfecting their groceries. They were disinfecting their, they were washing their groceries. They were putting their mail in the microwave or the toaster. This happened. This is not this is not hyperbole. This is not, oh, Tony's just bringing up like one or two examples. These were people that I knew personally 
that went this insane because they were afraid they thought COVID-19 was Ebola. Now, right around this time, we get to we get to April and we kind of come to realize some of us start to look at the statistics at who's getting COVID, who's getting sick from COVID, but then who's dying of COVID. And we start realizing by April, again, some of us, that there seems to be an age discrepancy with COVID-19, that as a then 32-year-old who works out five, six times a week, plays competitive softball and basketball, everything, me, that if I get COVID, I'm probably going to get the sniffles. I'm going to get a scratchy throat for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, with a little bit of rest, a little bit of uh, fluids, I'm going to be fine. But if you're 87 or if you are maybe 50 and you're 475 pounds, it's probably not going to work out as well. So we started realizing the younger you are and the better in shape that you are, you'll probably do a lot better if you get COVID as opposed to somebody who is overweight, obese, morbidly obese, or elderly, or even all of the above. But we didn't want to hear, the, hear about that. When we realized we were hearing about the, the deaths that were occurring in nursing homes and other assisted care facilities, assisted living facilities, you go, oh, oh, wait a second. These were older people that are dying and people who uh, have comorbidities and they say, well, you know, I knew I know somebody who's 47 years old. That, see, that's that's somebody who's in the prime of their life and get cut down. <clears throat> How much do they weigh? Well, you know, they were 600 pounds. Oh, I, I, tragic, tragic. But what's also tragic is that they did not work, did not work out. They didn't want. And then you start realizing, wait a second. So if this is predominantly really impacting we should stop looking at cases. We need to start looking about deaths and hospitalizations. We should start focusing on reopening the country, reopening society. We shouldn't have been closed in the first place. And I maintain that we should not have been closed and let have what's called selective quarantine. That if you are elderly, if you are somebody infirmed, if you are prone to, if you get sick, it takes a little bit longer for you to recover then it should be a selective quarantine for you to say, I should probably stay home. My grandparents, my grandma who passed away a year ago, she was in her early to mid eighties. Probably not a good idea for me who goes around other people to go visit my grandma and start hugging and kissing her. I realize that's not a good idea. So it's better for her to selective quarantine than me. Instead, what we did as societies, we quarantined healthy people. <clears throat> we put them in a bubble. So then by the time that the country will reopen and our immune systems are weakened, then we'll all get sick and get COVID. So that's why I maintain we shouldn't have shut down in the first place. So here we are. It's now April. We start to know about all these deaths of despair. We start to hear about uh, people's uh, depression and uh, alcoholism that kicks back up. And then you started seeing the true authoritarianism because most people were not, you know, there were a lot of people, because I had friends of mine that were saying, we got to do Zoom happy hour. And I said, how about we just do happy hour? How about we meet? No, no, we can't. It's, you know, there's a sickness out there. There's an illness. Mm, 
we're going to do Zoom happy hour. My wife did, before we got married, she had her bridal shower on Zoom. We couldn't get together. We did it 10 feet from me where I'm broadcasting this podcast from. It actually did it on our patio because it was a really nice day in May, but we couldn't all gather. So everybody had their Brady Bunch screen <laughs> on their Zoom and we did a Zoom bridal shower. Oh my God. Although I did my bachelor party in person, had a great time. But you start seeing the authoritarianism that popped up. Like Andrew Cuomo. Now, Andrew Cuomo, or as I like to call him, Andrew Dice Cuomo, because <laughs> he's uh, since been drummed out of politics, um, but not for this, not for sending nursing patients into homes and basically killing them because of COVID. Um, he uh, he was touching on interns and employees, and that's how he got drummed out. So he got me too. But Andrew Cuomo, back in, this is now... This is April 22nd. So we started hearing about when are we going to reopen? We heard about who's an essential worker, who's not an essential worker. And who is an essential worker? We said, well, of course, you know, firemen, police officers, healthcare workers, government workers, this and that. But then everybody else, oh, if you don't have that, then you can't work. And people are wondering how they're going to pay their bills. They're, go they're wondering how they can feed their families. They're wondering how they can keep a roof over their head. And the snobbery of these people who did not miss one paycheck, and I'm not just talking about politicians. I'm talking about everybody else who just didn't care. They look down their nose at you to say that you're just a peon. You should just get, get an essential job. If you, if, you, if you want to be considered an essential employee, then get an essential job. Yeah, that's easy enough. And I saw this, by the way, in my business, my former coworkers, and I'll call them out right now, when I said, I'm concerned about how people are trying to pay their bills. And they said, Amazon's delivering, Domino's is hiring, get those jobs then. Otherwise, we're in a pan, this isn't politics, this is a pandemic. Ugh. Yeah, great, thank you. So here's Andrew Cuomo. This is this is this encapsulated 2020 is he tells people, oh, if you don't like it, then get an essential job. Screw you. The benefit is not enough. I understand the economic hardship. We all feel it. The question is, what do you do about it? And do you put public health at risk? And do you drive up the number of deaths for it? Because you have no idea how to reopen now. They're saying that. Is there a fundamental right to work if the government can't get me the money when I need it? Is there sure, a you fundamental want to get, right? You want to go to work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. Right? You'll work. Let me look at this. This is the governor of New York, whose dad was the governor of New York, whose brother at the time was on CNN, and that they were doing these weird. Abbott and Costello comedy routines on CNN with uh, nasal swabs and Chris Cuomo's like, hey, hey, my brother has a big nose. So he's got we got this huge Q-tip that we're going to have. And it was it was really funny, even though we come to find out that the Cuomo's were uh, getting like special preferential treatment and everything. And by the way, Chris Cuomo, not on television anymore. Well, he is, but he's not on CNN anymore. And they 
to this day, they can't fill that spot. So they're looking to try and get John Stewart and Bill Maher in that area. So Andrew Cuomo looks down upon down his big nose at everybody else for not uh, having an essential job. And this snobbery really, really, really heated up. We started getting to a point when we got to May that there were a lot of businesses that were going, wait a second, I can't afford to pay my employees to stay at home anymore. We're going to have to shut down. We're going to have to find some kind of assistance. And the, the state would either not provide any assistance or they would be like, here's a couple of bucks. Here's a couple of bucks and go screw. That's kind of what how they treated it. And I, I was really upset by this. So when, but then there were certain other things that started popping up that uh, really kind of changed everything. And one of the biggest things was the summer of George, as I call it, George Floyd. So Derek Chauvin has his knee either on George Floyd's neck or on his upper back or however you want to say it. And George Floyd ends up dying on that street in Minneapolis in late May of 2020. Now, right around that time, some states slowly started reopening with COVID, after COVID of 25% capacity, where every other table had, a, had an X with masking tape or duct tape on it, where they started putting the stickers everywhere that this is six feet of social distance. You can't stand You got to stand here, not here. You know, if you're standing in line, you have to be here, but you can't be here. You can't be here, but you got to be here because that really mattered. And we'll get to all that and how a lot of that got, the doors got blown off of that too. So when states started reopening, and I remembered this happening right around that time in Ohio, Ohio reopened because Mike DeWine, Dr. Amy Acton, the health director, were getting lawsuits from businesses by saying, we, we can't do this. You can't shut us down for months and, and give us no timetable to reopen. What's what's the time? What is the end goal right now for reopening? We're entering the summertime. Cases are going down because guess what? It's warmer outside. People like to go outside. People like to enjoy themselves, get some fresh air. So what's the timetable? They decide that, hey, we're going to start to slowly reopen the gyms and the bars and stuff in late May. Now, other places in or across the country, especially in very blue areas, California, Oregon, Washington, New York, they were a lot slower in reopening. In fact, Ohio was still closed, but some states reopened. This is where there's a lot of attacks between Trump and DeSantis, is that, yes, DeSantis, the governor of Florida, did have his state closed for a little bit, but reopened, I think, in early May. But I believe the first state that closed and then reopened was Georgia. Now, I got married on June 19th of 2020. I am not going, I'm not cutting my own hair for my wedding. I was not going to do that. And I actually considered flying on Spirit Airlines. I'm not, this is a true story. I considered flying on Spirit Airlines from Cleveland to Savannah, Georgia, going to a sport clips, getting my hair cut, and then getting maybe two workouts in in a Planet Fitness, like flying in on a Friday after I got done with work for the week, fly into Georgia, get a haircut, get a workout, go to a Motel 6 or a Days in for like 40 bucks, crash, wake up, go to the gym again, and then fly back home the next morning. 
or just fly in for a haircut because, you know, the airline was like, you could basically fly anywhere for 25 bucks <laughs> at that point. I would have done it. I had no problem doing that. I considered flying from Cleveland to Savannah, Georgia to get a haircut because I am not going to have a Pete Rose haircut for my own wedding. Now, thankfully, Ohio did reopen towards the end of May, right before the, the big riots. So I did get my haircut in time and everything was hunky-dory, Jim Dandy, whatever you want to call it. But then the George Floyd riots happened. And this, is, this woke up a lot of people in our circles here. Because there were people who were, whether you're conservative, libertarian, who were concerned about COVID. They believed the propaganda that was being sifted out to us. And they're like, okay, well, I understand. I, I, we're, let's, let's shut down. Let's do whatever. And you had the health directors, whether statewide, nationwide, locally, the, the county health director telling you, you need to stay home. Stay home. Stay safe. And if you have to leave your house, it's only to get your mail and wear your mask and everything. But then when George Floyd died, the protests started happening in Minneapolis, Los Angeles, uh, all throughout the country, St. Louis, everywhere. And health directors were in this conundrum because the people who said it's a pandemic, it's not politics, had to play politics and said, gosh, uh, we can't tell people to stay home. We, I mean, yes, I know we've told people to stay home, but we told them because the, so they can't go to a bar and play cornhole with 25-year-olds on a patio. But we can't tell them not to protest. So you had open letters in early June of 2020 saying, we understand COVID is a dangerous pandemic, but racism is much more dangerous. So health directors and public officials were saying, it's okay to protest for Black Lives Matter and do all of that and riot in the streets <clears throat> in front of 20 to 100,000 people. As long as you're wearing a mask, you can gather. Go ahead and get the same people who told you for three months, you need to shut down. You cannot leave your house. Don't even think about leaving your house. You see that butt crack indentation in your couch? Make that even, make that canyon even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> we need that. You need to stay home. Watch Tiger King. Get DoorDash, but don't leave your house. Get Drizzly. Can't leave. Can't do any of that. But George Floyd dies, and it's like, gosh, we can't tell people to stay home. So you can't go to a bar. You can't do any of that. But you could protest for George Floyd. And I think a lot of people start waking up and realizing, ah, it was political. I get it. And then the authoritarianism really, really started heating up. And you started seeing even not just politicians, but anybody stepping up and showing their authority because it wasn't just police officers. It wasn't just governors. It was it was our own people. And if you weren't wearing your mask properly, you had a Karen going, hey, put your mask on, put your mask on. You, you want my grandma to die. Oh, I can't believe you. What, what is what's wrong with you? Put, over the nose. We started creating little dictators, little Mussolinis in your grocery store or at a gas station when you're picking up energy drinks or putting $20 on pump six. That if, you're, if your mask was, if you can see a little bit of your nostril, they started freaking out. Or if you weren't stepping on that circle <laughs> completely, like, 
social distancing, social distancing, which is a lie. Social distancing was by a child who thought at 10 feet apart is like too much and three feet seems too, how about six feet? Let's just go with six feet. Okay, six feet. And then that became science, the science. <laughs> so you started seeing everybody step up and trying to be their own dictator. So this is why I, this, this is why this whole podcast is a cautionary tale. So you couldn't even remember, you couldn't see a lot of people couldn't even have funerals except for George Floyd. I think George Floyd had like 18 different funerals in so many different cities. But if you were able to have a funeral that you had to socially distance. So how about this clip? This is from 2020. It's my privilege to have been asked to conduct our service today to celebrate the life of Alan Wright. So what you're seeing here, if you're watching on the video, but I'll explain it if you're just only listening. It's a dad and his wife is dead. Now, I don't know what she died of. It could have been COVID, could have been not. So his two sons. So everybody is, remember, socially distanced and they're wearing their masks. The seats are all six feet apart. And you had the two sons bring their chairs closer to console dad. And And so what happens? Funeral director stops it and tells the sons, no, social distancing, because we're in a pandemic. You need to go back. So your father, who's mourning the loss of his wife and his kids want to come up to him and say, dad, we're here with you. We love you. And a funeral director says, uh-uh, uh-uh. Dr. Fauci said we need to social distance. Are you kidding me? This happened. And yes, I understand. Not in America, but it did happen in America. Just this clip was not from America. Never forget what they did. This is James Melville says, during lockdown, we couldn't even mourn our loved ones properly. A son moves his chair close to it, next to his, oh, it's to his mother, not, not father. I think the dad died. Yeah, the husband died. Sorry about that. Misinformation. And they were told to separate, all because governments frame political motives as the science. That's what we did. You couldn't mourn your loved ones. We couldn't come together. In fact, in June, uh, late June of 2020, we were at a church and it was, uh, my cousin had a baby and uh, back in like, I think late 2019. And it was baptism time. And once the churches started reopening, I said, well, let's do baptism. We all, do, we all had to wear masks. I think it was one of the first times I had to wear a mask. And the baptism wasn't a true baptism. I, I believe, I could be wrong about this when I say this, but I could be misremembering, but I think there was a squirt gun that was involved when it came to the holy water because we're Catholic. And I'm just thinking to myself, is this what we're really doing? We're really doing this. But it didn't stop there. You had toddlers who were masked. Toddlers. How do you mask a toddler? Put the mask on. No, you gotta, you gotta wear it on, honey. No, you gotta keep it on. Put your mask on. Put your mask on. Gotta be safe. A toddler. This is a toddler. We did this, and it wasn't too long ago. So if anybody says, what, Tony, why are you doing a podcast? We don't have mandates anymore. This is why. This is hysteria. This is insanity. We did this. Not we, not me, not me, not you. 
but we as a culture did this. This is a child here. This is a child in a daycare who's two years old and they shoved a mask on his face. Now, what have we done to children from school closures, from shutting down extracurricular activities, all of that? You want to talk about, think of the, remember we used to think of the children? Well, these kids who have to learn about social cues, that's part of being a kid is learning about smiles and frowns, laughing, crying, being sad, being happy. These are social cues. Kids can pick up on a face. Well, when the faces are all masked for several years, kids' learning development had been delayed. We're seeing those dividends right now where kids are three years behind on their development. Think about if you were in second grade when the world shut down three years ago, meaning you're in fifth grade now, there's a lot of growth between the ages of seven and 10, huge amount of growth that happens during that time. And we don't want to say anything about it, that those kids just saw nothing but masks. Unbelievable. But we force masks on top. This kid is at no risk, by the way. We have now come to find out that if this kid got sick, and unless he had some horrible childhood disease, this kid's going to be fine. If anything, if he gets COVID, it'll be asymptomatic. At most, he may have a cough for a couple of days. But it wasn't about the kids. It was about the teachers. It was about the teacher's union. It was about protecting the adults. I don't want my kids. I don't want my kids. Because one time used to be a time where we would want to protect the kids. And we decided, no, no, no. It's the kid's job to protect the adults. So now we have to have little Mason here. Wear his mask. Put your mask on. He doesn't want to wear the mask. Take the mask off. Nope. We're going to force it on your face. This is child abuse. Child abuse. Absolute child abuse. But nobody wanted to say anything at the time because well, we're in a pandemic. We're in a pandemic. We don't want kids. Shh. I'm trying not to curse on this podcast. I'm trying to keep this as PG as I can. <laughs> I'm trying to get this out through people. But understand, we're not talking about something that happened 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, not even five years ago. This is three years ago. In fact, this is probably just maybe a year ago. So people are kind of getting back to normal, some semblance of normal. So here we have Dr. Fauci still talking about social distancing. Now let's talk a little bit about Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, who in the 1980s, absolutely bungled the AIDS epidemic. This was going on. What should have happened in the 1980s was the bathhouses should have been closed, especially in San Francisco and New York with huge areas of HIV and AIDS transmission. We kind of, again, this is just like with COVID, we kind of knew pretty quick about AIDS. Well, we want to romanticize that period. And I kind of stretched that term in that, well, we didn't know until Magic Johnson got HIV how it was spread. No, we kind of knew pretty quick that it was it was um, uh, sex with gay men who were infected or intravenous drug use or just promiscuousness. But for the most part, it was 
male to male transmission or irresponsible well it's always an irresponsible but intravenous drug use of with multiple partners we kind of knew that and instead of shutting down the bathhouses and realizing hey folks because you know we started hearing about this with monkeypox last summer that here's what you got to do and instead we didn't do that just like with monkeypox we didn't shut down the bathhouses we didn't do any of that it was no you, you could still do all that but here have this azt cocktail here Here's AZT. He was a drug pusher. Dr. Fauci in the late 80s and early 90s was a drug pusher. Well, where are we at right now? Where are we at in 2023? We've come to find out that the now retiring Dr. Fauci was a drug pusher. We'll get to vaccines here in a little bit. But here he is in the summer of 2020. As people are trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy, the new normal, where you're sitting down and wearing masks with your friends outside because outdoor transmission was a thing no no but he's going to still talk about social distancing which again was never rooted in science i don't think it's anything that the state of california is doing wrong or not it's what the response of the people are to what the opening process is and that response he says hasn't been the best especially when spikes are being seen in certain age ranges it's usually young people who think that now that we're opening Opening means all or none. It's something Tristan Clark has noticed her peers doing, heading out with no remorse. If they get it, they'll be fine. They'll fight it off. But that's not really the case. Mindset. Yes, it, it actually is the case. It actually is the case. It's about lifestyle. If you're somebody who is 600 pounds, you're probably going to suffer a little bit longer if you get COVID. If you're somebody who is a marathon runner, at least in 2020 before the, the, the vaccine, um, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Well, we didn't know. Yes, some of us did. And some of us were saying it at the time. But you're a conspiracy theorist. How dare you say any of that? Don't do anything. Don't visit your friends. And if you do, you got to wear a mask. Like, I'm outside. I'm outside. I'm not going to wear one. And why, why did the mask thing pop up anyways? Because the mask thing, at one time, you... In Asian countries, they were wearing masks. But why did we never wear masks at any point in the last hundred years for anything, for a bad flu epidemic, for H1N1, for SARS, for um, you know the, the, the flu of what was in 1967? Because it's an aerosolized virus and the particles are too large or I mean, are too small for the pores of any type of mask, whether it's N95, KN95, or the, the t-shirt sleeve that you put over your face. Or if you're Alyssa Milano, you crocheted, like you're making a pair of mittens, you crocheted a mask on your face. Cause you know, COVID's not gonna go through there. Oh, Tony, what, why do surgeons, when they're doing surgery that they wear masks? It's because of droplets. They don't want your droplets, if they're performing surgery on you, to shoot back in their face. And they don't want their droplets going into your open wound. It was never about making sure that your cough does not go in there. It was never that case. And it's still not that case. And as we'll talk about later on here in this podcast, it didn't really matter. Mask mandate, no mask mandate, masks, no mask, didn't matter. Didn't matter one bit. But we had to upend our entire life, and uh, people were afraid of seeing their friends. And if their friends were going out, 
with with others like oh, i can't believe you're gathering i can't believe you're having any type of uh you know you're getting together how dare you you can't have thanksgiving you have to do zooms giving so now we're getting towards the end of 2020 you start hearing about cases 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 and I, i'm like what about deaths what about hospitalizations what about the ventilators no it was about cases oh cases spike okay i don't care about cases so what you, you got sick for two days and then you're back Oh, I lost my taste, sense of uh, taste of, and smell for a couple of days. Okay, so what? But we kept hearing about cases because that was a way to use it politically and use it to control the people. But not everybody was concerned about gathering. You had other people who would gather or go to places that were closed. You know, like Gavin Newsom, who was somebody who was going to the French Laundry because he had a 50th birthday he was going to. I- <laughs> Remember, you can't see your family. You can't go and have Thanksgiving. You, you, if you made that nice uh, uh, sweet potato casserole, you got to show it over your Zoom on Zoom's giving. But Gavin Newsom can go unmasked to the French Laundry in San Francisco. Tonight, while Governor Newsom is telling all of us to have Thanksgiving dinner outside, he's facing some new fallout for that fancy birthday dinner party he went to at the French Laundry. KPI X5, Joe Vasquez on the new photos and the new questions they raise. As COVID-19 cases continue to spike, small businesses like this one continue to struggle, which is why the governor continues to catch grief for his recent dinner decision. I know everybody's imperfect um, and I don't expect him to be, but at this time, he he really needed to step up and be that example for us. Trisha Cajo is a private chef in San Mateo. She says she was disappointed by the governor's participation in a recent birthday party at the French Laundry, a Napa Valley restaurant, one of the most expensive on the West Coast. He's implemented rules that we would gladly follow, but I don't think he's setting the best example. I think it's highly hypocritical of him. Uh, Yeah. And there's the picture if you're watching on the video. There he is. Uh, no one wearing masks. No one social distancing. They're having their own little private party at the French Laundry. But that was okay because he's Governor Newsom. Or you could be Mayor Lightfoot, the then mayor, who is not the mayor anymore of Chicago, who decides she wants to get her hair done. Lightfoot is teaming up with Chicago's major sports franchises, encouraging people to stay inside even as his weather warms up. But a new photo of the mayor after a haircut is threatening to undermine that message. WJ's Eric Rung live for us at City Hall with that, Eric. Good afternoon. You know, the last thing that Mayor Lightfoot wanted to talk about today was getting a haircut. And she didn't do a whole lot of talking about it, but she certainly didn't apologize for it either. She's begged, lashed out, and used humor to try and get people to stay at home to stop the spread of COVID-19. Hey, Viv, what's up? Um, I'm bored. You're not bored. You're saving lives. But a photo that surfaced on social media showing the mayor after getting a trim has some asking, what about me? The mayor was asked at least twice about the haircut this afternoon. I'm out in the public eye, and, you know, I'm a, I'm... I'm a person who I take my personal hygiene very seriously. As I said, I felt like I needed to um, have a haircut. I'm not able to do that myself. And so I got a haircut. Really? She couldn't do it herself with that hairstyle. You're telling me that she doesn't cut her own hair? Good Lord. Imagine if she did. (laughs) Good Lord. So here we are. Now we're in, in the late stages of 2020. 
when a lot of places were still shut down, this is when your governors, your mayors, your health directors, your senators were not obeying their own COVID-19 lockdown policies and protocols. They were breaking them and they were either trying to be apologetic or pretending to be, or they were just blatant. So Lori Lightfoot says, yeah, I'm a public figure. I need to get my hair done. Okay, so you can go get your hair. You can't. You can't see your loved ones. You can't go celebrate Thanksgiving. You can't go to a funeral. You can't go to a wedding. You can't go to a birthday party. But Gavin Newsom can go to a birthday party because he's better than you. Remember, they're better than you. You're just a peon. You're a non-essential worker. You heard Andrew Cuomo. Get an essential job. I don't consider you to be essential. You're not essential. I'm essential. So Cuomo can do whatever he wanted. Gavin Newsom can go to the French Laundry. Lori Lightfoot can get her hair done. Nancy Pelosi can go also get her hair done. Dianne Feinstein can walk around an airport without a mask on. Bill de Blasio, the then mayor of New York, was spotted at a gym. Well, I have to. I have to stay in shape. So all of us have to get fat and get susceptible to COVID. But you can go to a gym. You can get a nice pump on, a, on the, <laughs> the bench press and get a nice workout on your treadmill at a gym that's close to everybody else but you. Or you can be London Breed, the mayor of San Francisco, who's at a club. And dancing to music because she's feeling the love. She's feeling the, look, I, I just got lost. I was feeling the love. So every one of these people broke their own COVID protocols, but you can't. You're a bad person. Remember, in 2020, if you got COVID, there was a lot of shaming that happened. That if you got COVID, it was your fault. Until it wasn't, until all the people who stayed home, stayed safe, wore masks, got <clears throat> 18 vaccines. And then they got COVID. Then it was like, look, this is an endemic thing. This is going to happen to everybody. But in 2020, if you were going to Lake of the Ozarks, if you were going to a party or some kind of gathering, it was your fault. Oh, you got COVID. Oh, you must have done something naughty. Cast you out of society. They were all breaking protocol. All breaking protocol to the point where they had to start really reopening to places. Now we get to the vaccine. So Donald Trump is not the president anymore. Now it's Joe Biden. And it's January, February, March, April of 2021. Now we are now making the vaccine available to everybody else. And it started getting into the worst of the uh, small talk. I couldn't, but I, I do this joke on stage, but I've, I've done it where I, I, I hated the vaccine small talk so much i wished we talked about the weather again what vaccine did you get i got the pfizer what about you i got the moderna how about you i did the one shot j and j good for you good for good for you <laughs> again i'm not trying not to curse um but that's what that's what happened so we started getting to a point in february where some places were being uh relaxed a little bit as far as getting, you get your vaccine and it was getting, I remember it was in January and February, it was the, the highly essential workers, the politicians and the healthcare workers got their vaccinations in late December, Operation Warp Speed and into January. 
while Trump was still president, by the way. And by February, March, and April is when everybody else started getting theirs. Now, where I was working at the time, they didn't have a mandate, but everybody in a radio station was so willing to roll their sleeve up and get the shot. And I told them I did. Mm -mm. But, you know, what, what are they going to do? I don't work there anymore. So what was interesting in the early days of the vaccine was a lot of places were still masking and social distancing and restaurants at 25 to 50 percent capacity and everything. And I'm like, wait a second. Shouldn't the vaccine be your gateway into normalcy? And they're like, no, but we, we still because not everybody's getting vaccinated. We need to do this. Well, eventually, in my neck of the woods, they said June 2nd of 2021 is when we are ending the mask mandate, which I stopped wearing my I, I did not the only times I wore my mask is when I had to <clears throat> and I would barely wear it and it's I'm not even out of the store and I would take it off because I realized it was BS from the beginning that this was all theater and for most people and especially to this day if you still see people wearing masks it's no different than Linus's blanket it's a security it's a feeling of security that you think that Whatever thing you put over your face is going to help you. It's gonna, but it's not. It's not the case anymore. But I still see. I still see people in cars wearing masks. But then we got to the vaccine, and people were getting vaccinated and everything, and you wondered if they were going to make some kind of mandate. Is this going to be a polite time where you can't do certain things unless you show proof of a vaccination? Now, that was floated out there in the spring of, of a vaccine passport, an Excelsior Pass in New York. Will we have to show proof if we want to go into a restaurant, a bar? We're like, yeah, come on. They, they can't get to that point. Well, boy, did they. By the time the Delta variant, which is what I, me and my wife both got the Delta variant in late August of 2021. I got sick for two, two or three days, and I was fine. My wife didn't do as, as well, but hey, natural immunity. Oh, wait, we weren't allowed to say that at the time. We can now. Then they started putting a vaccine mandate. And the Biden administration through OSHA was going to force it. If you had over 100 employees, that everybody had to be vaccinated or you uh, or lose your job. And you have to have a pretty darn good uh, religious exemption in order to not get vaccinated. And a lot of people were forced out of their jobs unless they got a shot that – Mm, is not uh, not the best, but they had to ramp the propaganda campaigns up. So you would have a lot of people out, th out there like, oh, I don't know, Stephen Colbert, who all late night TV right now, which is sad because remembering the days of Johnny Carson, where it's 1130 and you want to watch something and kind of relax, uh, crack a couple of jokes. Here's a musical guest. Here's a comedian or whatever. Hey, Rodney Dangerfield's out here. Hey, it's uh, Don Rickles is joking with Johnny on the set and uh, Doc Severinsen and Ed McMahon. Then it got to a point where late night TV got so political and such propaganda. Think about this kind of Pfizer propaganda. This is why the, the news stations and all these other places haven't touched they would criticize people for vaccine hesitancy, but what about vaccine injury? Well, they're not because when they go to commercial break, it's brought to you by Pfizer. So that's why. So they had to ramp up the propaganda campaign like Stephen Colbert. This is embarrassing here. The vaccine. This is so cringe. 
COVID like several times. I thought the vaccine was to prevent getting COVID. Isn't that what Joe Biden said in the summer of 20? If you get this vaccination, you're not going to get COVID. Well, then they got COVID. What did Rachel Maddow say? Hmm. Kind of interesting how that happens. Checking vaccine cards and everything. Oh, which by the way, did they really check the vaccine cards? Did they look at the lot number? Or did they just kind of look that you had proof? And this was going on into about a year ago that I know Live Nation and AEG here locally had a vaccine mandate that they they had to, you had to show proof of vaccination to get into a place. And if you had a certain card, could be a real card, could be not one, but nobody really checked. They were like, oh yeah, okay. It could be fake, but no one really knew. If you weren't using it for government documents, if you're just trying to get into a, uh, like a house of blues to show it, then you're like, all right, whatever. It's, and then that went on until, and they were slowly, I, I talked to a couple of local venues in Ohio and they said, yeah, people are getting really upset by it. So we're, we're ending it March 1st of 2022. Well, why, when did all this start to change? When did we all get to a point where we realized the vaccine propaganda, the masking, all this was kind of turning around. I mean, for God's sakes, we got to a point where we were <laughs> we were forcing families out of restaurants. Patient statements you can't serve otherwise. If you're not going to patient, you know, you have the uh, party, but you don't have it, then you're going to have to leave. And if not, they're forcing a family out because they don't have proof of the vaccine. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But they were going to keep pushing that propaganda until it until it changed. So what ultimately what did change? Well, what changed was Omicron. Omicron was better than any vaccine. Omicron was way better than any vaccine that could have been possible because what Omicron was, was a weaker, it was a stronger strand and strain than uh, that you can get COVID very easily, but you're not going to die of it for the most part. That it's, you're, you're going to be highly susceptible to getting it, but you'll get over it after a couple of days. So we get to about Christmas time of 2021 into 22. So December into January, Omicron hits. And for example, my parents got Omicron. My mom's vaccinated. My father is not. They both got sick. They both had the same symptoms and they were both fine at the same time. So I'm like, wait a second. My mother, not in the greatest shape in the world, but I'll be honest here. And she might be listening to this, but not the greatest shape in the world. My mom's in her 60s. My dad's in his 60s. My dad works out three, four times a week, uh, not vaccinated. They had the same symptoms and they were fine. It's almost like, did, did her vaccination wear off? What, like, what happened? So then it didn't matter if you were vaccinated or not. In fact, most of the people I knew 
who were vaccinated got Omicron. And it kind of made people wake up a little bit. I don't want to say red pilling, but it woke people up and going, wait a second. So we shut the world down for the last almost two years. And this for this, I had a scratchy throat for a day. I used a little chloroseptic, sprayed it in my throat, put a little Vicks VapoRub. That was fine in a couple of days. So we shut the world down. I was so afraid of everything in life for that. Ugh. So people started waking up. And so if you didn't get Delta, if you didn't get the Alpha variant or anything like that, or Delta Plus, you got Omicron. So now we've gotten to the point where most people who are probably listening to this podcast, if not all, have gotten COVID at some point. And then we start to realize how far we've come. So we get to the next part of the podcast as I start to wind down of all the myths and everything that kind of was debunked. So at the beginning, we were hearing about misinformation on masking and vaccinations and COVID and everything and comorbidities. You were a conspiracy theorist if you complained about any of this. And ultimately, what it came down to is a lot of what the conspiracy theorists were concerned about was true. It all came true. What's the biggest thing that we talk about on social media, is, or at least that I mention, is that what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and reality? About six months. And that's what kind of came out. So this is from a couple of days ago. Here's Dr. Marty McCary. And I'm a, a big fan of his. And there's a lot of them. By the way, the Great Barrington Declaration with Dr. Marty McCary, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. And then you had, oh, and, and around this time, uh, a little over a year ago is when you had Dr. Robert Malone, who went on the Joe Rogan experience and was talking about the vaccines and that they, if, if anything, at best, they're useless, and at worst, they're poisonous and deadly. And of course, they started coming after Joe Rogan. They said, we need to cancel Joe Rogan. He Spotify needs to drop him. And you had Neil Young, and you had uh, the now late David Crosby said, we need to kick off Joe Rogan or take our music off of Spotify. And to Spotify's credit, they said... Yeah, I don't know how many young people are going to listen to not only Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but like any other non-CSN or CSNY David Crosby music. Uh, Joe Rogan's more of our cash cow, so uh, <laughs> go screw. <laughs> so Rogan's still there. So then they found a compilation of him saying the N-word out of context. And uh, it didn't really matter the context, so they tried to go after him with that. That didn't really work. But you had... Peter McCullough, Robert Malone, Jay Bhattacharya, Marty McCary, Scott Atlas, who were stepping up and trying to fight against the narratives that were put out by Francis Collins, Anthony Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, Scott Gottlieb, all these other figures. So here's Dr. Marty McCary talking about who's the biggest purveyor of and perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic is the government. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. Misinformation that COVID was spread through surface transmission, that vaccinated immunity was far greater than natural immunity, that masks were effective. Now we have the definitive Cochrane review. What do you do with that review? Cochrane is the most authoritative evidence body in all of medicine and has been for decades. Do you just ignore it, not talk about it? That myocarditis was more common after the infection than the vaccine. Not true. It's four to 28 times more common after the 
the vaccine, that young people benefit from a booster, misinformation. Our two top experts on vaccines quit the FDA in protest over this particular issue, pushing boosters in young, healthy people. The data was never there. That's why the CDC never disclosed hospitalization rates among boosted Americans under age 50. The vaccine mandates would increase vaccination rates. The George Mason University study shows it didn't. It did one thing. It created never vaxxers who are now not getting the childhood vaccines they need to get. Over and over again, we've seen something that goes far beyond using your best judgment with the information at hand. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The C CDC putting out their own shoddy studies, like their own study on natural immunity, looking at one state for two months when they had data for years on all 50 states. Why did they only report that one sliver of data? Why did they salami slice the giant database? Because it gave them the result they wanted. Same with masking study. Well, the data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews and the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. That's fantastic by Marty McCary. And I forgot to, uh, Martin Coldorth too. He's, he's been fantastic. When I talk about the experts, that the experts failed us, it's not necessarily the experts. I, I, it's the expert class. We created this expert class in society where you can't, and I've talked about this on my uh, podcast, if you want to check it out at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. John Stewart, nearly 20 years ago, went on a show called Crossfire. And Tucker Carlson, have you heard of him? Whatever happened to him? That guy with the bow tie? Is he, is he still around? Oh, that's right. Tucker Carlson was a was conservative, and you had Paul Begala, the liberal. And they would kind of like a Hannity and Combs type, but I think a little better, Crossfire. But they would go back and forth, and they would talk about the Iraq War and Afghanistan everything at the time. And I thought it was kind of an interesting show, and you had a point-counterpoint. John Stewart goes on there and basically reams them and says, this show is, is useless, it pits us against each other. Well, ultimately what came out was, after that, we created, no, 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 we can't have two differing points of view arguing with each other. We need one agreed upon point of view. And that's what created the expert class. So during COVID in 2020, you couldn't hear from Dr. Makari, Dr. Uh, Koldorf, Dr. Bhattacharya, Dr. Atlas, Dr. any of them. Couldn't hear from them because they were outside the Overton window in the medical industrial complex. If you needed somebody, it was the agreed upon opinion about stay home, stay safe, social distance, wear masks, get vaccinated. So Dr. Fauci was the science, the science. And it created that expert class. So this has been a rejection of the expert class. And what Marty McCary said there was very fascinating because people are not trusting those experts. They created misinformation. So now you are seeing polio come back. You are seeing measles and mumps come back. Why? Well, partially it's because of illegal immigration and that they are not vaccinated for the other diseases and that's what's coming to America. But as far as Americans go, you have now created actual vaccine hesitancy for childhood vaccination. <laughs> so they're like, I can't trust you. You said I'm not gonna get this. I, I, got, I got the COVID shot. I got several shots. 
and I still got it. So what's the point? What was the point of getting it? Well, you're still going to get it. It's just not going to have the symptoms. Uh, you're not going to die of it. Well, a lot of people died of it who had COVID. And then now who have people who are getting myocarditis and dropping dead. Healthy people. See, this is the, this is the big thing now. You have healthy people getting that were forced to get vaccinated in college, that their college, that their fraternity or whatever the college said, you need to be up to date on your COVID shots or you cannot go to school here. And some schools were doing over uh, virtual and they said, you still have to get vaccinated. For what? For what? I'm, I'm, I'm at home. And they still had to get vaccinated. Well, now you're seeing 25-year-old basketball players. You're seeing 28-year-old marathon runners dropping dead. And they have to put that narrative out and say, oh, it's probably they had COVID and they had some heart problem. Or it could be the fact that in the last couple of years, people were forced to take a shot in their arm. And now some are going to refute that and say, no one forced you. No one forced you to get vaccinated. No one... And what they mean by that is no one strapped you down on a bed and put a needle in your arm. There's, there's When you say no one forced you, you say, well, if I didn't get this, I wouldn't, uh, I can't work at a certain place anymore. And they're like, well, that's not forcing. That's just saying you can't work here. But that just sounds like forcing. No, it doesn't. Did they, did they hold you down and shove, shove the plunger in your arm? No. Okay, then you weren't forced. So they like to play those little little mind games. But it's amazing how now we've gotten to this point where it's become very mainstream. For God's sake, Woody, Woody Harrelson on Saturday Night Live mentions this about the COVID shots, about Big Pharma. Remember, uh, remember four years ago when we didn't like Big Pharma? This, the Sackler family was causing a lot of opioid addiction. They were calling them pillbillies in West Virginia because they were taking pills. What happened? We didn't like Big Pharma. We didn't like what Big Pharma was doing. Then all of a sudden we had to bow to Big Pharma. And now you have Woody Harrelson on Saturday Night Live by February 2023. It's kind of blowing the doors off a lot of this. Hey, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? Yeah, how about that? And that's what happened. How funny is that? He did that on SNL. And the fact that that was actually broadcast and that they didn't dump it out. Isn't that amazing? It's become very mainstream. And that Woody Harrelson is essentially, he's like an old hippie. But he he's an old hippie. Remember when you we actually distrusted the government and we distrusted Big Pharma and then we had to bow to them? What happened? I don't know. But you had you had people shaming people over time about uh, anti-masking further exposed the darkness and the parts of the right. It's such a small thing to show love of neighbor because that's what it turned into over time was if you're not if you're not wearing a mask, it's because you don't like you want my grandma to die. You, uh, you just want, you want to, I can't believe it. You know, why can't you care about the greater good of humanity? Get vaccinated because we want to get back to normal. It's like, no, we are normal. We should be normal. None of this should have happened. This is abnormal. 
but things have really changed over time. That's David French. That's March 5th, 2021. Well, here we are. It's March of 2023. Now we have people going out here talking about there are no mask mandates. There are no vaccine mandates. There are no indoor air quality requirements. If you're anti-mitigation, congrats, you won. So why are you still whining about mask mandates, vaccine mandates, and interventions to clean the air? You know why? Because it can happen again. This whole podcast. So I did a full hour recapping what we went through the last couple of years, which it's weird because I see photos that I took three years ago on this day. And then I'm like, boy, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it seems like a lifetime ago. So now we won. Now, why aren't there mask mandates? Because the masks don't work. You think they worked because, again, as you heard from Dr. Marty McCary, they would they would take some sample evidence, but they wouldn't have a controlled study. So the mask mandates, there are none. Why? Because they didn't work. There are no vaccine mandates. Why? Because they didn't work. There are no indoor air quality requirements. I, I mean, I think some restaurants probably should do a better job, especially in the days before. Remember when you would go to a Denny's and they would have a smoking section and a non-smoking section? And the only thing that separated them was a partition that went up maybe three feet that separated the tables. Okay, I can understand that, that we did improve. And, and when you do go into a place in 2023 that uh, they still have smoking, that you can smoke at a place, you go, wow, this is what we, this is what my youth was. You could definitely tell the difference, but eh, it's almost nostalgic to me. So why am I still whining? Why am I doing a podcast about it? Because this whole podcast is a cautionary tale of where we can go with this. So here we are. February 21st, 2023, the mask mandates did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? This isn't the blaze. This isn't Breitbart. This isn't the Daily Wire. This isn't uh, the Daily Caller or any right-wing publication. This was the New York Times that said the mask mandates did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? There weren't any. Now, why do I, why have I always brought up the mask mandate? Why do I always bring up masks even more than the vaccine? Because again, like I said earlier, the mask created the little dictator uh, in everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, your neighbor, your friend, your mom, your dad, your, who, uh, your coworker, that if you weren't wearing your mask properly, they turned into a, a, a little authoritarian. You wonder how people can be corrupted. You look at politicians where it's like your local poli- – in, in Ohio, we had a politician named Jimmy DeMora. And Jimmy DeMora, whose daughter I went to preschool with. So we knew the DeMora family. And he was the mayor of a town called Bedford Heights. And he was a pretty good mayor. He was a Democrat, but yeah, at a lower level, it didn't matter if you were Democrat, Republican. As long as you were a good politician, it didn't, it didn't really matter. Then he got involved in the county. And then you're hearing about massages, you're hearing about payoffs and this and that, and a lot of corruption. Then he's now he's behind bars that he got really corrupted. And you say, how can you have somebody that goes from being like a really good, kind hearted or their their mind, their heart were in a good place to get corrupted into such uh, absolute like insanity over time? And you say, oh, it's because absolute power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And that's what happened, that your neighbor could rat on you 
you wonder how an Anne Frank situation can happen. Well, if if you had a gathering, if they if they kept gatherings in 2020 and 2021 at 10 and you had 11 people, you better hope that there's nobody who lives near you that's going to rat on the police and say, hey, I saw a couple of cars there. You might have to check how many people are there because it seems like uh, if you think two people per car and there's seven cars there, there might be 12 to 14 people there. Who knows? Knock, knock, knock. And that did happen. There were some places. Now, most cops, to their credit, did not break anything up. However, there were a lot of places that if you were in a church and you weren't social distancing or wearing your masks, they were arresting rabbis and pastors. They were fine. The, the police, this is where I didn't mind some places of defunding police departments, because if you were more concerned about COVID protocols than you were about smashing windows and destroying property, then yeah, you deserve to be defunded. That's my take on it. If you were more concerned because a pastor had 51% capacity at his Sunday service for Easter, but you were not concerned with a Molotov cocktail being thrown through an Ace Hardware, private property and private property rights, then uh, you deserve to be defunded. But the mask really just cr created a little dictator in a lot of people. So there's that. Then here's this from Ian Miller, who's been great on the masks, if you check him out. And this is the comparison. It says, it's incredible that people are still making excuses for mask mandates after we literally just had this comparison during the Omicron uh, with states with mask mandates did worse than those who didn't have mandates. They just don't work and pretending otherwise is absurd. Because again, the pores of a mask are way bigger and cannot trap an aerosolized virus that comes through. So it didn't matter. None of that mattered. So now we go on to this with masks. So remember, there was a weird time where, remember like four years ago, and if you wore a ski mask inside a bank, that they're going to call the cops on you because they're going to think you're robbing the place. Well, then we decided to get to a point of, you got to wear a mask when you enter an indoor facility, even if it is a bank, even if you look like a bank robber. Well, it seems in the last couple of years, people have taken that to their advantage by putting a mask on and some sunglasses and a hood, committing crimes, going to a Walgreens and ransacking the place. And we just kind of go, well, as long as they're wearing a mask, it's just property. It's OK. It's no problem. Well, Mayor Adams in New York City, this is according to the New York Times here. To prevent robberies, we are putting out a clear call to all of our shops. Do not allow people to enter the store without taking their face mask off, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City said. Here we go. Now, that's what I said during 2020, during the summer of love, the summer of George, is that it seemed that people were using the mask to their advantage to cover their identity as they committed vi sometimes violent crimes, sometimes petty crimes, but just crimes in general. You put your sunglasses on, you put the hood on, put the mask, and then you can commit crime. And then when they say, okay, what happened? Uh, somebody who's wearing a mask and sunglasses and a hood robbed our place. Really, that narrows it down. Really narrows down the suspects since everybody is wearing a mask. It just so, it was very convenient that crime rose during that time. Very funny how that kind of all changed. So now it's taken a couple of years, but it's nice to see that governors, and others are finally stepping up and saying, we need to say no to this.
we need to absolutely say no to these COVID mandates that this cannot happen again. It can happen again. It can happen again. But, you know, it's nice to hear. It, it's taken a couple of years. Here's Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. And I think that some of the stuff with, with COVID and Disney, I mean, it's not unique to Disney. I think we had elites in this country spin different narratives and corporate America largely bought those hook, line and sinker. Um, you know, they were, they said that lockdowns would stop the spread, that it was false. They said mat cloth masks would stop the spread. That was false. They said school closures were somehow no big deal that kids wouldn't miss a beat. Uh, and they were wrong about that. They said MNRA vaccines would mean you would not get COVID if you took the shot. They were wrong about that. They denied the existence of things like natural immunity for people that had recovered from COVID. They were wrong about that. And they lampooned and ridiculed anybody who said that this, uh, this COVID came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And they were wrong about that because we know it did come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So when you have narratives and a current thing that's always put out there and then you have all these powerful corporations adopting that and then imposing that you know in some respects they're exercising public power uh, they're exercising power over our society by colluding uh, to to enforce that current thing and i can't think of very many things these people were right on with respect to the covid stuff uh, over the last few years. And I'm just happy to say that uh, when we were standing here all by our lonesome in Florida, we were willing to fight back. And really, we helped lead the way uh, back to sanity. So um, and and what that ended up causing was a, a mass exodus of other blue states into red states that were more open. And I've been very consistent with this, which had my uh we we had our honeymoon in Key West, even though Key West was a little more closed back in July of 2020. But Florida was way more open than the rest of it. I mean, there were still community. Now, what Florida did was they put it up to the local communities. So if you were in Broward County, if you were in Dade County or Monroe County, yeah, there's probably still going to be a mask mandate. But if you were up in the Panhandle, if you were in the Redneck Riviera near Pensacola, what COVID? So it was up to the individual communities and individual counties and cities and municipalities to govern themselves. Federalism, it's, it's, it's a way to kind of bring it back to the states and figure it out themselves. Instead of saying New York City is a lot different than, say, Lake Placid, New York. But why do they have the same mandate? Why does a small town in upstate New York have to have the same mandate as New York City? It didn't make sense. So we have luckily kind of blown the doors off of all that. So that's that's Florida. Then you have Greg Abbott, who says this. He's the governor of Texas. Says permanently end COVID restrictions. Thanks. It's about three years too late. So it's time to this session. We must prohibit any COVID mask mandates, COVID vaccine mandates, school, school and business closures due to COVID. That's great. Again, a little bit late, but it, it would have been nice to see that. So what have we learned in the last couple of years is that the mask mandates didn't work, vaccine mandates didn't work, natural immunity is a thing, and it's not just fringe Republicans and conservatives that are saying it. You now have Bill Maher talking about this. Bill Maher, who is kind of the, the Democrats' longtime favorite, and 
Here he is talking about natural immunity. The paper today, kind of a big story, I think. I wonder how much it's going to get covered in the liberal media, because it's about how natural immunity, they did a giant study, 65 countries, or maybe something like 65 countries, many, many different studies. They looked at them all. Natural immunity, as good or better than the vaccine. Something I've been saying since the beginning, and I get called an anti-vaxxer. That's not an anti-vaxxer. This is the kind of thing, I, you know, my problem with the media from both sides is not that you, you guys lie. It's that you tell me your side of the story that you want me to know. You don't tell me the whole story. I'd be curious as to how much play this story gets, because I, I, I remember reading that they did a study of Republicans versus Democrats. The question was, what percentage, this is like a year and a half ago, what percentage of people who get COVID require hospitalization? The answer is less than 1%. Almost half of Democrats thought it was over 50%. They listen to your network. Where do they get that kind of information? That was you want to go no. <laughs> okay, that, That's bad information they have in their head, and it's from one side. I'll tell you this. I think you make a really fair point that if the press is hunting a narrative instead of facts, then... Right. As you say, you can pull even true things into that narrative. Uh, I'm still going to double down on defending. I think we do really good journalism. And we had people on my program on the beat, since we're talking about the media, where we brought on skeptics about all these issues. We brought on uh, someone from California, actually, who was in the height of COVID protesting the quarantine rules because they said it was creating more harm than good. That's a policy debate. And I think when anyone, including whatever media you're picking on or picking out, I mean, is you be the judge. Uh, <laughs> But whenever any media is doing that in a way where it is treating legitimate debate, facts, policy as somehow this narrative hunting of saying the other side's evil, or I heard sometimes some liberals say, oh, the other side's clearly pro-COVID. I don't think most sane people were, quote, pro a virus. And so the policy debate about how to deal with it is legit. Mm. Mm. That's how much things have changed now, where you do have these sources that are talking about natural immunity. <laughs> this is New York Post that's talking about this. I don't know why this is not popping up for me here. If you're watching on Rumble or Patreon or wherever you're watching this on Locals, natural immunity found to be effective, as effective as the COVID vaccine three years after mandates, according to, not some fringe paper, The Lancet. So what have we learned here? As we wrap up this podcast here, what have we learned in three years? What can we take from the last three years that we're not going to allow this to happen again? Now, what we have learned is that we are not trustworthy of media, corporate press. We're not trustworthy of the expert class. How do they gain that trust back? Well, you have to tell the truth because that's what happened. Is what Bill Maher, the reason I played that Bill Maher clip, and of course they're going to try to cherry pick, the corporate media put it out there that if you're not wearing a mask, it means you want grandma to die. If you want to reopen society, you want grandma to die. If you don't get vaccinated, you want grandma to die. If you want, uh, if you think natural immunity, if you think herd immunity is preferable to find if if you think that we should be we should be finding some kind of therapeutic before finding the vaccine you want grandma to die it went to these extremes 
and it became so politicized so early on. Now, I'm somebody that I don't think it should have been politicized. If Donald Trump, if Ron DeSantis in March and April of 2020 said, shut down the country, uh, shut down your business, you need to shut down, you need to wear masks forever, you need to wear masks in your own home, you need to get 82 vaccinations this year, I would have still said no. I would have sided with whoever the opposite is. But it became very political. It became you start seeing uniparty where the Mitch McConnells and Chuck Schumers can all get together and agree with each other on this. So it shouldn't have been political. But a lot of people did make it political. And Democrats were way more apt to shutting society down and shutting down your way of life than Republicans were. Some Republicans were very bad. Like I mentioned, Mike DeWine in Ohio, Larry Hogan in Maryland. Um, you had some some other more rhino governors and rhino senators and everything. But for the most part, it really, again, it shouldn't have been very political. This should have been common sense. And after what we've gone through, and if they start to do this with climate lockdowns, with any other type of lockdown, we need to understand where that it could happen again. This entire podcast is a cautionary tale. This entire podcast is because of what they are capable of doing. What we're seeing right now, as I record this podcast of the January 6th stuff, is that we're finding out over 40,000 hours of missing footage on Tucker Carlson's show. And when we're finding out that uh, it didn't seem as deadly and dangerous as it really was, and the fact that Chuck Schumer, now what, regardless of your thoughts on January 6th, whether you think it's a deadly insurrection or you think it was a meandering and a sightseeing tour, regardless of what your thoughts are, the fact that Chuck Schumer is calling for Fox News to shut down Tucker's show means that they're scared. It means that, that we have done something in the public consciousness to kind of change things. They are afraid. You're supposed to make these people afraid. I'm not saying that you put their lives at risk, but to blow the doors off of an official narrative. And it's odd to think, and I think that with, with this podcast, it's not just a cautionary tale, but it's, a, it's an amazing repudiation of this regime that two years ago, I never would have thought, while people are getting vaccinated, but we're still wearing masks, and three years ago, when I am, I mean, three years at that time, I mentioned on a Hawk, Hawk Jensen, who is doing the COVID, um, he's doing a thing on the lockdowns. Um, it's really, it's really good. Go check it out. <clears throat> Hawk Jensen, who's the director. It, uh, it's amazing when I thought to myself where I was about three years ago, April of 2020, and my gym was closed. Uh, the only thing I could do is go for a run, and I hate running outside. I mean, I'll, I'll run on a treadmill. I'll play basketball. I'll play softball. But I couldn't play softball. Couldn't do any of that. The only thing I could do is go for a jog in my area. And I remembered thinking, when are we going to get back to normal? I took, I took everything for granted. We all did. Our freedom. Our freedom to do anything. Now that we have that freedom to do things, understand that they can take it again. And this is why you need to understand that this could happen again. They'll find a way, and you need to be on guard all times, that this is not one thing that, oh, look, yeah, we went through the COVID thing. Oh, so what? We wore a mask. 
whatever. You wore a mask for a little bit. Okay, you had to get a vaccine. You know, we treated each other kind of, kind of, we weren't the best to, to each other. I think we should all have some kind of COVID amnesty. Yeah, we, yeah, we said you were a grandma killer, but it, you know, it's okay. Look, hey, well, let's all get together. No, not really. You kind of knew who you, your friends were. And if people are not figuring it out by now and you're still wearing masks and you're still um, uh, concerned about long COVID and everything else like that, they may not have been your friends to begin with. So, again, it's a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale in mass hysteria. And you have to be on guard just in case they try to pull any of these types of shenanigans again. So, as I wrap up the podcast, happy three-year anniversary of COVID. It's nice to see we're on the other side of it. We look back at it almost, for some people will look fondly, go, oh, remember when we stayed home and, you know, I stayed home for a year. I didn't even get in my car for over a month. It Five months, I didn't have to put gas in my car. Wasn't that great? No, it wasn't great. It wasn't great for a lot of people. There were a lot of people, just because you're in the laptop class and you're okay drinking wine every day and having a good time, there were a lot of people there were kid, kids are behind in development with schools that uh, people who were going for sobriety and AA and NA, they slipped. They might not be here with us. They might they might have fentanyl. You know, you could have been overdosed on fentanyl, could have over uh, drunk driving. There were a lot of deaths of despair. There were a lot of people who were in who weren't going to die of COVID, but they died of something else. How many people had to put off their cancer screenings? and other screenings that ended up getting cancer over time because they were told, hey, this deadly virus is out there. You might get it, so don't come in. And that little skin tag that they had that they could have taken care of in April of 2020, and they didn't go back to the hospital for several months after, could have spread. And it, it's going on right now. This could happen again. Don't let it happen again. I want to thank everybody for listening to this very long podcast, at least as my standards. Joe Rogan will do five hours, no problem. But I want to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. If you were listening for free, go there and you get uh, more podcasts like this, uncensored for five bucks a month, or at checkyourbrain.locals.com. But for everybody else who's listening for free, I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Tony Mazer. Go follow me on social media and uh, have yourselves a good one. And again, Keep your guard up. You never know when it's going to happen again.